1: We have lots to talk about here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. One, Bud Dupree signed with the Atlanta Falcons. What does that mean for the Steelers' plans at edge? Does it increase their chances of drafting one early this year? We'll also talk about the Penguins. We now know that that they're out of the playoffs and how that played out. But will Ron Hextall and Brian Burke be gone? And as well as what is going to be their offseason plans and... How do the Pirates Keep Winning? Lots to talk about with Pittsburgh Sports here from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette on the North Shore Drive Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting app and especially on YouTube. We do this show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but we have daily content coming out from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Lots of stuff to talk about, all things Pittsburgh sports right here. Subscribe to us. We're joined by Brian Batko, one of our Steam Steelers beat writers here. And Brian, just before we fired this podcast up, Bud Dupree signs with, not the Steelers, the Atlanta Falcons. And this this is still quick time. We're literally just reacting to this in these moments, so we don't have full details on everything right in front of us right now. But uh, now I, this kind of puts the Steelers in a position where Edge is more prominent of a need. I, I thought that they were going to be able to get him. Maybe they can still find a veteran somewhere uh, to come in and be the, the, the first guy off the bench at Edge. But, man... They they needed help last year at that at that spot. Now they definitely need help this year.
2: Yeah, or they could uh, you know really hope that their 2020 sixth round pick or 2021 sixth round pick Quincy Roche, uh can can ha- you know refine uh, what made him uh, a guy that the Steelers liked coming out of that draft a couple years ago. Because yeah, it's it's slim pickings right now. There there is another uh, edge rusher outside linebacker type on the roster. Emeka Egbule who has some NFL chops, but I mean, he's mostly been a practice squad guy, including here last year in Pittsburgh. So you basically you can't count on anybody right now behind TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. To me, it just becomes a situation at this point where unless they do make an outside signing and, you know, I'm trying to quickly kind of look at the available free agents who haven't signed anywhere here as of April, what is it? 14th. You know, most players are, are spoken for and accounted for unless they're overaged or injured or retired. Um, so it's it's difficult uh, to really find a name that makes sense. But I think this tells me that once you get to the third round, even uh, you really can't turn your back on, on an intriguing outside linebacker type here in this draft.
1: Yeah, and, and fortunately for the Steelers, there are some guys out there who I think um, do, do fit that, do, do fit that bill. Uh, if you look to, look to edge rushers, you know, first round, yeah, a little bit pressing it with all the other needs that they, that they have, you know, Nolan Smith would be an interesting, you know, guy to bring in there, but you could, you could wait to the second or third round. You know, they, we, we joked about this earlier, but, They signed Nate Herbig, and you know they love to keep some brothers. And Nick Herbig just happens to be an edge rusher that projects to be a second or third-round pick out of Wisconsin, and he could be a fit there. But there's other guys, Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame, Andre Carter from – uh, from from Army, um, there's KJ Henry, the other Clemson edge rusher. Everyone's going to talk about Miles Murphy. He's probably going to be a first round pick. Um, there's Byron Young out of Tennessee. There's, there's different guys. They brought in Keon White, who you know can be inside, but you know can also be be, be an edge. There's a lot of different options here, but it's going to be interesting to see what do they prioritize because. The big question that's always been had with this also is the thing that comes right next. What do you do with Alex Highsmith's contract? If you draft a guy in a third round where Alex Highsmith was drafted, are you signing Alex Highsmith for sure to an extension and then just having that rookie develop behind him and what over the next few years and then just seeing how it plays out?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that'd be an interesting discussion to have. But to me, it is, you know, Alex Highsmith is the type of guy who's always going to be team first. He's, I think he's going to yeah. understand a move like that and wouldn't necessarily bristle at it. Obviously he'd still want to get paid, but I think you could just easily explain that to him as look, we that's a valuable position for us. You saw what happened last year when TJ went down, you played a lot of snaps over the course of the season. Wouldn't you rather uh, be able to, you know, get a blow a little bit more often? We want somebody to come in with there to be no drop off. So I, I think especially this year, when you do have an extra pick in that second round, could almost look at your third rounder as a fourth rounder, your fourth rounder as a fifth rounder, and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, normally I would, I would advise against kind of overlapping uh, your draft capital in that way at a position where you have two entrenched starters. But, you know, it's it's been difficult for them to find that good rotational number three pass rusher over these last few years. You know, Melvin Ingram, uh, he's a free agent and you can run that one back. Um, <laughs> you know, one other name that stuck out to me because I think he he is versatile enough to play standing up on the edges. Carl Nassib, and he's got an mm. NFL resume, so he is thirty years old. That that might be, um, you know, not really something that the Steelers want to get into at this point. But it, you know, you're you're really now, if you have anybody who's willing to accept the role and has been around, obviously Bud Dupree was not uh, either money wise or playing time wise. So uh, beggars can't be choosers. And one more name draft wise that I'll throw out there. You didn't mention Chris because he did visit this week. And I think he's actually the, probably the most prototypical Steelers outside linebacker who they've had Mm, in for a pre draft visit is Robert Beal Jr. Yeah. From Georgia. You know, he actually played, uh, you know, standing up in their scheme. It's difficult to stand out these days on defense in Athens. So his production isn't going to jump off the page, but Uh, Big guy, long arms, was a a really big high school recruit. Uh, He's probably another name to watch in that fourth round or later category for them.
1: No, certainly. I think he's definitely in that category when it it comes to the Steelers. There's also still some free agents out there. As of right now, as we're recording this Friday, 1040 a.m., Leonard Floyd still available but he's also of that he's 30 years old you know Jadavian Clowney's 30 year, years old uh, you know there's guys that are that if you're looking around right now they're all in that range they're 30 and above and typically the Steelers when they sign free agents they want them to be at least late 20s you know like they don't they want them to be yeah. younger and flexible
2: and I think part of that too is those guys generally, you know, they don't really want to be backups at this point in their right. career. And unless, unless a guy like Jadavian Clowney uh would, would jump at it just to get to play the Browns twice a year and uh and try to bury the team that he didn't really end on good terms with in Cleveland. But yeah, um, you know, it's uh it's pretty thin. I, I could do a deeper dive at, at some point here, but off the top of my head, you know, not not a lot of these names jump out at me as guys I know a ton about. Um and it's you know even last year at this time they signed Jannard Avery. I mean he seemed like kind of the perfect fit to come in here and uh, and, and help them in that role, but he didn't even make it to the second roster cut. So there was something going on there, either health wise, fit wise, or for him unhappiness with uh, with how many snaps he'd be playing. Um, you know Derek Tuska is still out there, but mm. we know that you know last year right before week one he got waived for Jameer Jones, who yeah. just got released a couple of weeks ago. So they've really been uh, pounding the pavement and uh, nothing's been, you know, just right for them in, in terms of those backup outside linebackers lately.
1: Yeah. Which kind of also goes back to, you know, Alex Highsmith you know, kind of a necessity because you don't want to go down to having no, no one else other than TJ. Watt, yeah. They've struggled that that to is. find three. So let alone trying to find two. Right. So that's where I'm at is that now you're going to see edge more of a prominent, uh, position to, to to be concerned about for the Steelers. There's a lot of different edges they can go after. I don't think it comes in the first round. Maybe the second round if they really want to. Because here's the other thing: is that again, when you have a a rookie quarterback contract on your roster like Kenny Pickett, and you uh, if if you're able to sign Alex Highsmith, you could afford kind of hey, we're paying both our edges, and we drafted a young edge edge rusher who's going to develop, and then we'll just see where everything is in three to four years when we're deciding. You know what other contracts to make at that point, but certainly we've seen Andy Weidel teams with the Eagles be, uh, ha- you know, be deep enough to have a rotation up front, whether it's on the inside and the outside. So, I just I have to think with the moves that they've made this year. We're still going to see. We're, we are going to see a higher draft pick go towards edge, and I still wouldn't be shocked if we saw somebody get signed. I don't know if it would be any of those guys we mentioned that are in the thirty-year-old range. Maybe there's like a twenty-eight-year-old that we're or a twenty, you know, seven-year-old that's floating out there. You know, Alquadin Muhammad, uh, you know, an, an ed, a twenty-eight-year-old edge rusher from the Bears. Uh, but you know, maybe there's someone out there that fits that profile. But I have to think that there's at least you know a couple moves coming, whether they're prominent or not.
2: Could always make a trade too. We know that Omar Khan is not been guy doing that uh, already in his Steelers tenure. But I will say on on two more draft guys, Nick Herbig. You know he's very undersized. When I watch him, he is shot out of a cannon, man. He's kind of yeah. like T.J. Watt light when you you know maybe it's the Wisconsin jersey that I'm seeing. But uh, you know that he plays with that kind of tenacity, and uh, he's he's spoken at the combine and Pro Day about looking up to him. And then there is a guy right next door at Pitt, Habakkuk Baldonado, who you know well and covered yes. Chris. Uh, there, there'd be some projection with moving him from a traditional 4-3 DN to a, a stand-up outside linebacker, but he might have the athleticism to do it if the Steelers you know, see, see that he's still on the board at a point where they still haven't addressed that spot.
1: And actually you're right I've actually talked to Haba about you know uh, that adjustment he said he's more than willing he's always been a flexible guy he played a ton of sports when he when he grew he up He was a enemy. tight end in high
2: school right or even a receiver at times
1: Exactly so that this is a guy who is flexible and you wouldn't have to reach that high for Haba as much as I like him he's not going to be a guy that's going to be flying off in the 3rd round you know they might need to like kind of move up you know trade some some future picks to get a you know a fifth or a sixth round pick there but how Baldonado is going to get drafted this year and if the steelers got him i think that'd be an interesting piece to bring into their edge room with the needs that they now definitely have brian thanks so much for talking with us here we'll be back with you next week as yeah, we keep talking about the steelers but we got to change pace we got to talk to matt Venzel about the penguins they lost their game to the blue jackets that didn't matter though they were already out of the playoffs with the canadians losing to the islanders uh earlier this week but now the question is and we haven't gotten it as of yet this morning what's up with ron hextall and brian burke when are they being let go we'll go over all of that in just a minute here on the north shore drive podcast but first before we do any of that i want to talk to you about our great sponsors at gametime.co where buying tickets for your favorite events shouldn't be stressful and never is with GameTime.co. game time is the fast way to, if that's an easy way to buy tickets for all your sports music comedy and theater events near you you get killer deals on last minute tickets with, a, with their best price guarantee and you can stop stressing over the tickets that the, and starting getting getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have after you buy them game time the game time app you can download right to your phone and it allows you to book tickets up to the last minute so even if you didn't plan far out for an event you saw this something up that you just missed on your calendar this is your chance to get the best ticket prices for you for this event. Through Game Time. There's exclusive flash sales on tickets for football games, basketball games, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. And the game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and same row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code P-I-T-T PIT, all capital letters, all one word for $20 off your first purchase. Or go to their website, GameTime.com. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code PIT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast I'm your host Chris Carter we switched topic to the Penguins who lost their last game of the season even though it wasn't going to get them into the playoffs it was still another late fall late fall for the Penguins but that's not the story Matt you wrote about Mike Sullivan's reflections but before we get to Mike Sullivan's talk is it a foregone conclusion is it completely solid now that Hextall uh, you know Bert, that, that crew is going to be gone or is there a chance that they're back next year and they get a chance to clean up the mess that they made
0: uh, they're expected to be gone as early today which is Friday uh, there hasn't been anything official yet but I do know that Fenway Sports Group had a representative on the trip and it wasn't because they wanted to watch a good hockey game <laughs> um, so we'll see when this plays out um, but yeah, the writing on the wall has, has been there for a while with, with Hextall and, and, and Burke as well. And, um, you know, the fact that the trade deadline moves didn't really change the trajectory of the season and they missed the playoffs just kind of sealed the deal. So, um, you know, everyone's expecting that announcement to come down at some point, uh, potentially today.
1: Okay. Well, there you, there you have it as well. I think a lot of Penguins fans will be happy to hear that with you heard the, the chanting, uh, the last home game of the season, but what, let's let's talk about what changes the Penguins are going to need to make for next season, because there's some out there that are like, just blow it up, just get it over with and completely restart. But as Mike Sullivan kind of talked about, you know, this team, there were, there were, there were moments where you were like, okay, we see where this core can go. It's just, there were certain pieces that weren't fitting, fitting well with them. The goalie play, you know, kind of held it back all year. The bat the, you know, the top six were, we fine. It was the guys behind them. Third and fourth lines weren't holding down. What was the what was what did you hear from Mike Sullivan that, that gave any hope or inspiration that the Penguins are going to have a real chance to reset some things and have a better go at it next year?
0: Yeah, I mean, Sullivan is right to support his core players. I know that Malkin and Latang have their detractors um, because of some of the, the downside to their game. But, you know, all three of them, given their age, played at a pretty high level. I mean, Latang to a lesser degree, but, you know, the dude had a stroke. Was yeah. also dealing with an injury. Um, he had some reasons for some up and down play, but you know, this isn't—I don't think—the core's fault that they missed the playoffs. It's the supporting cast, which is why we're we're, we're going to see a management change here. So, you know, they're going to have to do a lot of work. I don't know if it's possible um, to make an enough change to get to the point where this team is a legit contender. I mean, I think this team isn't done making the playoffs. Um, You know, we'll see if I'm wrong about that, but to be truly a contender, a lot of things have to change with the supporting cast. You know, you mentioned the bottom six. Um, The blue line has a lot of uncertainty heading into this offseason. And then there's the goaltending situation where, um, you know, the Penguins could have a new number one goalie as well. So it's a lot of work to do. And then as far as Sullivan goes, um, you know, he's expected to be back. I know Fenway Sports Group likes him, thinks he's a good coach. Oh, yeah, they also give him a big contract extension eight months ago. That has something to do with it. You know, his seat is certainly getting hotter, but I think Sullivan will be back. And if so, he's got to show more flexibility to, you know, kind of altering the way the Penguins play around the personnel that's given to him. I mean, I think he was stubborn to a degree this year trying to play the way that they played a few years ago. So, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of ifs, um, you know, but if they can get anything like – Uh, the seasons they just got from their big three uh, next year, then, you know, if they make the right moves around them, they should be back in the playoffs and we'll see if they're serious contenders or not
1: one thing that we talked about all season long especially when the trade deadline was approaching we were wondering if they were going to do anything was that they 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 were kind of hamstrung with the contracts that they had they weren't going to be able to move guys get enough value to be, and get enough value to be able to do anything to really you know fill in the holes that the guys that they would that they need to move either in the bottom 6 or the goalie situation um and make this roster what need what it would have needed to be to, to complement what the top six does well and make this team you know a, a team that could be a real cup contender that was there were very slim chances of that you and i talked about that in the middle part of the season what are things that can be done now that the season's over you know they're probably going to clean house with the, with the front office and, and bring new people in here what do you think are some top objectives that the penguins have to cross off their to-do list
0: yeah i mean that's what made it so unbelievable the moves at the deadline i mean Hextall got a gift when the Blues picked up Kapanen off waivers. They were able to unload some salary with Brock McGinn too. And then Hextall turned around and just somehow made the situation worse by trading for Michael Granlin and giving up a second round pick to do it. So to create space, I mean, they're looking at approximately $21 million in cap space right now per cap friendly, but that's without a starting goalie. That's with Brian Doolin and Jason Zucker also being free agents. So a lot of holes to plug, not, like an impact player waiting in the minor leagues, you know, in terms of creating space. You know, Jeff Carter's one that everybody wonders about. But, you know, he signed a, a contract, a 35 plus contract, which really hamstrings them. Like if he retires, mm. his cap hit still is on the books. Uh, if they waived him and sent him to the minors, his cap hit is still in the books. The only way they could potentially move on from him is if they traded him, but he's got a full new, no trade clause. So we don't know if Jeff is going to retire or not. Maybe if he did opt to retire, they could dump his contract somewhere and that would be a way to get out of it. So that's just like one of the many things they have to worry about. Grandlin as well. I mean, they gave up a second round to get him. It might take a second round pick to unload that contract, which has $5 million left on the next two seasons. You know, you can maybe look to move Jeff Petrie, but then you have to replace Jeff Petrie. I know he wasn't great, but he was pretty good and played a lot of minutes. So no real easy answers here um, for whoever's running the show next year to, to kind of get this team turned around and put the right supporting cast around Crosby and them.
1: It certainly seems like that. You, you don't have as, as many options. I think I saw Latang, you know, boosting up the idea of bringing back Dumoulin. What is your thoughts on bringing back some of the guys who are going to be free agents versus just, you know what, you need to go out there with that $21 million in cap space and bring in new faces that are going to change things for the Penguins?
0: Yeah. I mean, we'll start with Jari. Uh, he said last night, one, that he wants to be back and two that he's been dealing with injuries throughout the year, which we knew he said, he's still doing with a lot of stuff. He said, you know, there's Mm -hmm. been whispers about him having like a chronic injury. I think it was to his hip. Um, you know, you do wonder how that affects him. But I, I think they got to move on one way or another. I mean, you know, injuries are, are some things some guys can't control. But, you know, this makes it three years in a row we let the Penguins down when they needed them. Problem is, free agent market isn't that great beyond him. You know, Zucker, Zucker is a tricky one. We, we, we didn't really see his full potential or anything close to it because of injuries. And then this year he finally stayed healthy and was great. I mean, not only did he produce, um, you know, he was the one guy who at least visibly – seem to be caring every single night uh one of the few um but you know trading for grandland kind of like took the money that might have been earmarked for him and moved it to grandland so you know he said he wants to be back but he also said hey it's out of my hands um and then dumalin yeah i don't know i mean even if he wanted to come back at like the most team friendly deal <laughs> um he just looks cooked you know and he's a great player he's an important leader i mean you know, anytime the big three are out of the lineup and they need to have someone else put an A on the sweater, it's him, which says a lot about how respected he is, but you know, his play has declined um, in large part due to these just lower bodies injury over the year. I mean, he had that that nasty, I think it was an ankle injury three years ago. So, you know, I think the Penguins have to move on. Um, You know, they have Pio Joseph who could maybe step into more of a role. Marcus Patterson's been really good, Um, but at least Dumoulin's a lefty. It's a lot easier to find a lefty. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think realistically, we could be talking about all three of those guys being gone. Uh, maybe they find a way to bring one of them back.
1: That's going to be tough. And then, you know, we'll see. We'll have to see what the free agency pool is going to be like once other teams make their cuts. And we see how that plays out. But it seems like the the Penguins have a real steep hill to climb to figure out how they're going to complete this roster. Matt, thank you for all your great coverage you've given to the Post Gazette all season long. I know that you got to you're yeah, you're recording right now in Columbus. You got to drive back, uh, and the Penguins they're doing their their locker clean out and their final day uh, t- tomorrow on Saturday. So you'll you'll be there covering that. What what are your final thoughts about what this team you know you know kind of turning the page on this season and what this team? Could actually be if there is a, a bright side and a hope to see more excitement with this core still intact.
0: Yeah, this season will be remembered for the league's oldest team, uh, a team with, you know, I think nine guys who had Stanley Cups on their resume um, that was just unable to, to close out games and had so many letdowns in those key moments. And it's just kind of hard to explain. You know, you do wonder which guy's just getting older. Maybe, there, you know, there's less of a margin for error for these guys. But the, just the mental miscues with this veteran club, I, I think, you know, it's going to have Sullivan and the players, you know, scratching their heads for years because there's not really no good explanation for it. So with that, maybe the hope is that, you know, getting this, uh, you know, early offseason um, for some rest, maybe kind of a wake-up call of sorts. May, maybe they come back with the focus that they showed previously, you know, and that's something they can control. Um, but, yeah, that, that's what will stand out to me. And then in terms of, um, you know, going forward, uh, whoever's running this team this offseason has a lot of work ahead of them. I mean, the, the Pens could have – they will have a draft pick probably, uh, you know, in the lower teens. Maybe they can do something with that, trade it if they want. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 going to be surprising if it's Ron hexdale who's making these decisions considering he's the one who put them in this big hole.
1: Absolutely. We'll wait to see what the announcement is with Ron Hextel and Brian Burke. Uh, you get all that coverage from our, our team at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, post-gazette.com to get to our continued coverage on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Matt, thank you so much. We got to switch pace. The Pirates won 5-0 over the Cardinals starting off that series. Even though they lost the series to the Astros, there's a lot of things to be looking up at right now. We'll talk with Jason Mackey about that in just a minute, right here on the North Shore Drive podcast, here from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We'll be right back. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We now switch to the Pirates again. It's Jason Mackey. He's out there in St. Louis in his hotel room. We thank Jason for making time after the Pirates 5-0 win over the St. Louis Cardinals Lots to talk about with what's been going right there, but Jason, one thing that you've been saying is that this is a fun bunch, and this is a bunch that, this is a, this is a group and a team that, that you've been getting behind, people are going to love love to see. You tweeted about the vibe outside of the clubhouse after their
3: 5-0 win last night. Talk about what you meant by what you were hearing. Yeah, so you could literally hear and or feel the music post-game, and the way Major League clubhouses work like if it if it's a loss, it's you can hear a pin drop, right? Nobody talks. It's like the scene in Moneyball. You hear that? That's what losing sounds like. <laughs> uh, and then if, if, if you win, like all bets are off. You know, guys might have a post game pop or two to celebrate. You've got music. You've got lights, whatever. Anyway, that's fairly routine. What I walked into last night was not routine. We get downstairs outside of the Cardinals clubhouse. And I, 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 like, did a double take for a second. I'm like, is there, like, an airplane landing? So, like, what is going on here? <laughs> uh, and, I mean, it was just literally the bumping and the noise and the celebration in the Pirates Clubhouse. And we get in there, and it's it's blasting, and then we have to turn it down, turn down the music, because they do that for post-game interviews. And everybody, you hear them from the shower, like, boo! Boo! <laughs> you suck! You know, like, jokingly, and then a couple four-letter <laughs> words. And it, it's just – it's fun, man. Like these guys are so united in doing this. Like, you know, they love talking, well, I shouldn't say they love talking about it cuz they don't say it a lot publicly, but like how nobody expected them to do this. And they love disproving people and they like they believe in the group that they have and they should, and it's setting up really well cuz they have a lot of young, fun, and exciting players mixed with some quality veterans. I I I hear I hear that some of the young
1: guys, though, are impressing. one Bay, we talked about his walk off. He had some impressive catches, man. Playing center field, running all over the place, ran into the wall, had another diving one. Uh, was really impressed. What is he doing to kind of be this? You know, to kind of step up and be this kind of guy that's fitting different things, fitting different uh, key roles for the Pirates in some of these early wins.
3: Yeah, that catch last night into the wall was something, man. Wow, I was watching that thing live, and I, I think I let out.
0: Oh, I,
3: I definitely worried that he was going to be okay. Um, he is, but I mean, what he's been doing to fill these different cracks. I mean, he's taken better at bats. Um, you saw it with the walk-off Homer uh, Bay, early on in spring training. I don't think the majority of baseball fans in this city saw it because they didn't have a reason to really pay attention, but like he just put way too much pressure on himself. You know, mm. I think he saw the opportunity ahead and was just swinging out of his shoes. He's dialed it back. That's been very noticeable. Um, and the other thing he's doing is just using his athleticism speed. You saw it on the catch in Boston. You saw it on both catches last night. Like the dude can legitimately play three different positions. He's so fast. He's so athletic. Um, and the other thing I would point to, or the last thing I would point to Chris is just with Bay's excitement, energy, whatever. Like I just, I I believe there are certain guys in sports. doesn't matter what it is. Like they just have something that they bring that teammates feed off of them they're entertainers that Derek Shelton has said that Bay likes the bright lights I, I would agree with that like there's just this magnetism I think that's a word I hope it's a word um, that Bay has that other guys don't it's just so fun to let that just go
1: I hear you I it, it is fun to let that kind of stuff go but I think what's what's starting to come of at least at least in these early games, and I know it's it's a baseball is a very long season, and this has been a, lo- a short sample size. They're eight and five though, and there's a lot to be excited uh, to to see at least a, a hopeful start here for these pirates. But like you're seeing guys step in, you know, you, you Brian Reynolds had had to, it was, you know was, was pinch hitting in this in this game, so he didn't come in. But you know, we know McCutcheon and Santana, they're guys they're going to get their their, their Rivies. But you had guys like Connor connor joe step in he yep. came, he came in with with a home run uh then you had rodolfo cat castro stepping in and it seems like it's coming from different directions and, and what is what do you think is is helping manifest success from other guys
3: up and down the lineup for these pirates yeah i'm glad you brought that up chris i think that's a really important thing with all good teams but especially the pirates right now and we're seeing You know, I would even point to things like Rich Hill had two lousy starts and then turns it around in his last one. Vince Velasquez Mm -hmm. had two lousy starts, turned it around last night. He was really, really good. Brian Reynolds gets a day off. Carlos Santana has two doubles and gives them some offense there in that spot. Um, O'Neill Cruz goes down. They need some left-handed power. G-Man, Choi and Jack Sawinski, Homer. Like when you're able to account for those losses, man, like that's such a big thing, and it's not one guy. You know, it was Brian Reynolds at times, and it's going to be Brian Reynolds a lot because he's really good. But, like, it needs to be Santana, Choi, Andrew McCutcheon, Connor Joe, Jack Sawinski, Rodolfo Castro at times. Like, there it has to be spread around. Um, And the Pirates, by and large, had gotten it done in the bullpen. Their starting pitching has been pretty good. Like, if you think about it, the only game the bullpen really struggled was the one where Rodolfo Castro should have made a play at shortstop Mm. and it didn't. And I don't even blame Castro. Like, I think he's playing out of position at this point. But uh, their bullpen has been really good holding on to leads when they get good starting pitching and enough contributions up and down the lineup. It's what I've been I'm saying a lot of times with this team where they're not asking for the world. That's not too much. Like, we want you to catch it. We want you to get decent starting pitching, a decent bullpen, hit enough to fill in the cracks. The Pirates are capable of that. That. I mean, that's not a hundred win season. It's not a hundred loss season, and it's going to show progress at the end of one sixty two.
1: I agree entirely, and, and that's the thing. All we're looking for from this year, I think, from the Pirates, no one's expecting this team to go all the way and do anything like that. But if this team shows, like, shows that hey, these have been some rough years but here's here's some success coming here's a 75 you know ish win season and yeah. if they could get if they could get close to if they can give you even the hope that they could get to 80 wins this this year, fans I think will appreciate that and they'll start to show up and, and and start to you know fill out PNC Park. There's already legitimate excitement around this team right now and again it's not just that they're winning games, they're likable like you know like what like what you're saying that the personalities are are coming through. Um, looking forward here, Jason. Before we get too ahead of ourselves, to talk about the Pirates, they got three more games in St. Louis. They got a night game tonight on Friday, and then two afternoon games this weekend. How do you see them matching up with the, with these Cardinals throughout the way? Is there, you know, do you see them definitely winning this series? What, what's their standing right now with how the how the Cardinals have looked?
3: Chris, this series should be winnable for the Pirates. The Cardinals are not playing terribly well, um, and right now, at least with the way the pitching stacks out. It really is in the Pirates' favor. I'm curious okay. to see what Johan Oviedo does tonight. I talked to him last night. He's obviously a former Cardinals uh, farmhand and broke through pitched parts of three seasons with them, 2020, 2021, and 2022. Uh, but he's never put, pitched at Bush Stadium as a visitor. And I tried to go into it and, and talk to him about that, and he wasn't having anything of it. It was just more focused on his job, which is fine. Uh, but anyway, he goes tonight. You get one more Mitch Keller start. They didn't have to use David Bednar last night. Um, as I said earlier, the Cardinals are not playing terrific ball right now. Like the pirates absolutely have a chance to take this series. And I want to daydream for a little bit when you're talking about how these guys match up. What if the pirates take three or four from the Cardinals? We saw them play the Astros tough. Okay. Whatever. Take two or three from the white Sox, sweep the red Sox. Like now you're doing it in your own division. You go to, that's a team that's beatable. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I am admittedly getting ahead of myself, but I think, people, <laughs> I think people are starting to take notice of this team and thinking like, wow, these, these guys don't suck. These guys are pretty <laughs> fun. I'll watch them. Yeah, it's, it's like
1: that part of them in major league where the That's guys that everyone's is. looking They're like, it's not there. These guys aren't that bad. You know, <laughs> I <It's laughs> exactly what, what it is. Yeah, but but I, I again I, I'm with you. There's there's some hope here with, with, with the Cardinals and the way that they're playing that if the pirates continue to, to find ways to win, and again in different ways. Sometimes it is their bats, sometimes they're starting pitching the bullpen has been has been hanging in there. I think finding different ways to win in any sport i talk about this in football basketball college baseball hockey i think the penguins have run into that you know their front six is great but their back their back lines didn't work we've been talking about with matt with with matt venzel all season long but the pirates when you can find different ways to win it puts it makes it so much tougher for teams to focus in on the one way that you do win and take one thing away i think that's one of the best things you can do and again we're not saying the pirates are world beaters right now but they are definitely exciting, and they're giving you hope that there is a core here that is, that is forming that could lead to some really good things here in Pittsburgh.
3: Yeah, and you know what else I like, Chris? We saw it last night. The Pirates set out this offseason to improve their on-base percentage, and they've done that. We haven't talked about it as much. Um, and, and where that manifested last night, Jordan Montgomery was the Cardinals starter. Really good. Okay. And things weren't coming easy to them. For the first you know five innings or whatever, they weren't getting much going at all. Um, and I, I could be off on uh, numbers a little, but I usually rely on my scorebook, which is not here. But anyway, you get the idea. Like they're, n- they're not getting much going offensively, right? They don't change their approach. They don't get desperate. They don't, they don't start doing anything that they weren't previously doing. They just stay with it. And eventually it broke through. You know, like Andrew McCutcheon ignited them a little bit. You know, it's sort of like tomahawks a double into the corner. Great. You know, mm-hmm. Santana doubles again. They get a run in. Um, You know, and eventually it leads to some nice comfort where you got the Connor Joe and Rodolfo Castro home runs. But I mean, that's what a team like the Pirates has to do. And I saw so many Pirates teams where like if they don't score early, guys are swinging out of their shoes or or they're down like six nothing by the fifth inning because their starter has gotten blown up and they're already into the bullpen. But like if you can just go toe to toe with a good pitcher, don't change what you're doing. Trust it's eventually going to break through. And that to your point, Chris, somebody is going to step up. Like you don't know who it's going to be. You don't know how things are going to change. It's just like, do your job. Go to the box. Mm-hmm. See pitches, stay in your approach. Don't deviate. If you make it out, you make it out. It happens. Baseball's a game of failure. But they, it's just, it's so much different. I, I struggle to find the words to describe it sometimes, but that's what it is. Like, it's just, it is. 180 degrees opposite of the, the baseball I've watched for the past three years.
1: Well, hey, that's what Pirates fans, I think, want to hear here in Pittsburgh. He's Jason Mackie. You can find all his great covers at post Three Again, three more games, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in St. Louis, and then a quick turnaround. Are you headed to Colorado right away? Oh, yeah. Uh, not right away. Uh, I'm going to have dinner here Sunday night. I fly out Monday morning. Okay, cool. Well, Then they head on to Colorado. We will check be- back in with you, Jason, at the end of this series and see just how the Pirates did and how they fared looking into the matchups that they got with the Rockies coming up. Jason, thanks so much for all your great reporting. Check out all his great reporting at postassetsgazette.com, yes, along with Matt Venzel and Brian Batko. Thanks to them also for joining the show. And thank you, dear listeners, for checking in, as always, here on the North Shore Drive Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We'll be back Monday with more from the North Shore Drive Podcast. The NFL draft is less than two weeks Away, lots to cover there we'll we'll, maybe we might see some penguins gm changing and some front office changes and of course we'll be talking pirates all things here pittsburgh sports stay with us here on the north shore drive podcast we'll see you monday thanks for tuning in to another episode of the north shore drive podcast of the pittsburgh post gazette if you're watching this video on youtube please like the video and subscribe to our youtube channel for six months of digital access to post gazette.com for just six dollars click the link down below in the description